Welcome to Machine Minds, where technology and humanity meet. I'm your host, Greg Tarusian, founder of Samson Rose, a recruiting and search business focused on the robotics and AI industries. The Machine Minds show is where we dive deep into the intricate world of robotics and artificial intelligence. As a staffing industry leader with a passion for the frontiers of technology, I'm pleased to be bringing you intimate conversations with the founders, investors, and trailblazers who are at the heart of the AI and robotics revolution. In each episode, we dig into their journeys, the applications of the products they're working on, and the breakthroughs that are shaping our future. Join us as we explore how these machine minds are transforming the way we live, work, and understand our world. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a tech enthusiast, or just curious about this amazing field, you'll learn something new with each episode. Let's delve into the extraordinary. Let's delve into machine minds. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Josh Dion, VP of Engineering at Right Hand Robotics. So let's jump into it. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, Greg. We're really uh, happy to be here. I'm glad we could get this on the calendar so quickly. I've been excited for this one. Um, before we jump in for the listeners, and I guess for myself, we'll get, get a quick refresh here. Can we discuss uh, Right Hand Robotics, just the mission, vision, and, and what you do as a business? Yeah, so Right Hand Robotics provides warehouse automation solutions, and specifically in the piece-picking realm. Uh, in wildly oversimplified terms, we sell a robot that picks things up and puts them down in the warehouse. Um, but that's way easier to say than to do with technology. So when I pick up this can of soda and I put it down, there's an immense amount of processing our brains is, is doing. Uh, the tendons in my arm, the muscles in my arm, the joints, uh, how many fingers I'm going to use to grasp it, how hard I'm going to grasp it, how gentle I'm going to put it down. Uh, we don't think about those things. It just happens. But right-hand robotics has trained technology to do that. And we're in warehouses around the world. Uh, successfully uh, picking items up and putting them down. Um, now, if a human's doing that job, it's uh, incredibly monotonous, provides few transferable skills, and really is actually painful because of the ergonomics involved. Um, that's why there's about 40% tr- turnover in warehouses for people in peace-picking positions, uh, which leads me to our mission and our vision. Uh, RHR's mission is to build intelligent machines so that humans don't have to be robots which I think is kind of clever. Uh, and of course, our vision is to be the obvious choice for robotic piece picking for supply chains. Love that. Love that. Yeah, very clever. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I mean, I know your background and I'm sure after this episode, people are going to go and check you out on LinkedIn and, and uh, go and look at Right Hand Robotics online. But can you share a bit about your background? Because it hasn't been quote unquote, traditional robotics, or it's not like you've, you started out in robotics from school. So can you share how you got into it and, and, and what you actually do uh, at Right Hand? Yeah, I, you know, I spent my whole career in engineering, but the first 20 years of my career was in data center appliances, uh, primarily data storage, data protection, uh, and, and virtualization. Uh, but in 2020, I decided that I wanted to try something new. And what better than robotics in Boston, it's such a hotbed. Um, and frankly, got re- really lucky and blessed to have land- landed my role uh, at, uh, at Right Hand. Um, it, what's, what's excellent about Right Hand is, you know, founders are all, uh, this is their life's work. Uh, we've got PhD, folks with PhDs uh, in robotics and ML um, and AI. And, you know, all, I'm surrounded by immensely talented, um, intelligent people. Um, but uh, that's, that's awesome. I love to do that uh, because I can focus on, 
uh, business development. I can focus on growing the organization, maturing uh, our practices in the engineering group uh, and things like that. That's great. That is great. Yeah. And I, I think I like that you've cu- you've come into the industry later on in your career as well, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later on, but it's just it, my passion and my love for it, that it doesn't have to just be, like you said, people's life work and you can transition is, is, is something that's amazing too. Um, so Right Hand has their own approach to robotics. You've already touched on that a little bit. And as a company, you're going to end up with your own challenges as well as your own success stories. Can you share some of that with us and and how you guys approach things and what that's actually led to? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. Uh, The the competitive landscape uh, in warehouse automation and specifically in piece picking is pretty interesting actually. Um, Most uh, of our competition may provide one part of the solution just the, the vision system or just the robotic arm or, or just the end effector for grasping. Uh, at RHR, we say we, quote, own the pick, uh, meaning our solution's turnkey. We are the complete picking solution, including the vision system, our patent and gripper, uh, the robotic arm, uh, all the compute, storage, electrical, pneumatic, everything that powers the system. Uh, of course, all the software, a lot of magic happens in the software um, from firmware and device drivers up through motion control and collision avoidance, um, kinematics, um, multiple machine learning models, all the way up to stack, all the way up to user interfaces and, and analytics dashboards. Uh, but that our approach simplifies life for our customers and for our system integration partners. Um, so, you know, whether it's a partner or a customer, they don't need to piece together, pun intended, uh, a picking solution from multiple subcomponent uh, providers. Uh, and if they need support, uh, they work with, with one provider, us. Uh, they don't need to go figure out which subcomponent uh, that the uh, provider to reach out to. I think before you jump on, I think that is a uh, uh, an eye-opening, or at least for me, from just that the outside looking in, an eye-opening fact, because people don't think about all the different components. Or if you want, hey, I just need the system to do this, you have to piece together, do a bunch of integration work and look at like, okay, you know, vision component. You can get a universal robotic arm, maybe, but how do you actually program it to do what you want it to do? How is it going to be for your function, the vision, your environment? And, and all of that is a, a lot to even consider before you implement it or before you put it into real world. Exactly. And, and that's just... And that's just your picking device. You know, um, when you think about the, the broader warehouse, and I'm getting into some of the broader, you know, you asked about challenges. One of the broader challenges that that, the, that right hand has faced, and I think, you know, uh, the, all of uh, this, this, this field faces, is that uh, automation is required. You know, these warehouse operators are realizing automation is required to, to do business. You know, they can't keep people in the roles. And it's not just piece pickers. They need um, automated storage devices. They need automated forklifts. They need automated automated goods to, to picker devices, such as AMRs and, and AGVs, et cetera, et cetera. So they need to piece together all, all the solutions. And uh, yeah, it's, can you imagine the challenge if you, for just the piece picking part of that, you had to piece that together as well. It's just... Uh, immensely challenging for, for, uh, for the warehouses. Um, and, um, you know, what, what feels really great for, for right hand is the, uh, another major challenge specific to piece picking is it's super hard back to what I was talking about 
picking up this, this soda can. Uh, immensely hard. There's millions of items in a, in a warehouse, varying sizes, shapes, packaging, and, and to train technology to reliably and quickly and with the accuracy of, uh, and precision of a human to do that, just immensely uh, challenging. And the proofs in the pudding. Uh, in the last 18 months, a handful of our competitors have decided to pivot to other areas of automation, such as picking up parcel, uh, which selects less complex um, and has less variability. You can imagine square boxes for parcel, uh, more straightforward to, to pick up. Um, so we feel really great about that. And every day that goes by, the tech that we're building is creating a bigger and bigger barrier of entry for any competitors to come into the space. So it all feels really great for us. So that's a, a couple of the challenges anyway, um, uh, in terms of, of piece picking. That's, yeah. It, I again, when you actually sit down and think about it, because you, I think the, the use case people can probably relate to most is like, oh, I'm going to order something from Amazon and it's going to come in my box. And they probably think about the box that gets picked up and put to somewhere else. And no one thinks about, okay, well, if we're going to automate from order all the way through to delivery, it, you know, for example, all the different sizes of things that you have put in that one box, all the different locations, all the different weights and uh, textures and all of that stuff to actually come to you. That's very complicated. Yeah. It's very complicated. And we take it for granted. We, we take we absolutely take it for granted. Even something as simple as that box that you received, uh, how densely was it packed? Because if mm. we call it shipping air and shipping air is expensive, you know, Amazon or, or other, other retailers, they don't want to send a box that's, you know, 90% empty. So the challenge of Packing that densely, again, we take that for granted. As a human, I could take, you know, if I needed to pack five of these cans in a box, I could find the right size box and I could very tightly pack it. Uh, but, you know, you need to train technology to do that. Exactly. Yeah, it's very true. So it sounds like, and this leads on very nicely to the next part of uh, revolutionizing the industry. And you mentioned, you know, several of your competitors in the last 18 months, they've gone off to focus on slightly different areas within it. Um, is there anyone else trying to do what you do? It sounds like you guys are leading the pack with and, and revolutionizing the pick and place or, or, or logistics side of things, yeah, we are, especially the way that you're attacking. We, it. we are absolutely the leaders. Uh, and there's no question about that. There are other, we have other competitors that are, that are right there with us though. Um, some uh, folks uh, that were um, startups that started around the same time. And um, you know, that's healthy competition. That's great. Uh, you know, it, uh, you don't want to be the only one out there, uh, particularly on a particularly challenging task. Um, and so they're helping validate the market for us too, as well, of course. So, uh, yeah, course. again, nothing wrong with some nice, healthy competition. Um, no, 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 it's great. It's great. And so in your opinion um, and your perspective, the, the state of the robotics industry, I, I mean, I'm obviously on the hiring side of things and I follow different companies, different stages, different uh, use cases, right? From logistics to, to all the way to drones, for example, um, and ag tech and food tech. Where, what do you think the industry is doing right now? It's obviously taken off immensely, even in that 18 months where people have pivoted, but have, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's unbelievable, Greg. You know, uh, like you said, so many applications for robotics, you know, manufacturing sort of the sort of a lot of people, you know, think about the traditional robotics of uh, assembly line, you know, for automotive, you know, but 
healthcare, robotic surgery, like is immensely cool and an exploding field. There's medical devices, there's agriculture, so many robots out there doing everything from sowing seeds to actually harvesting um, the, the end product. Uh, of course, food service, there's robotic weight staff robots out there, which is, is super neat. Uh, you know, autonomous vehicles, construction, military in space. And then of course, you know, my personal favorite, not that I'm biased, but supply chain logistics, right? <laughs> um, so, and, and while I could keep listing probably, the, the possibilities are, are, are endless and the opportunity is massive. Um, and if it, you know, I think if we, we would uh, not be doing ourselves any favor if we didn't mention AI, uh, because I think AI, I know AI is going to take us to places that we can only imagine. Uh, the right hand product, we, you know, I mentioned before, we have multiple machine learning models in, in our product. We're heavily leveraging AI. Um, but even, even still, I think the opportunity, I, we probably can't even sit here and dream of what it's going to look like in 10 years because the technology is going to grow so fast. Um, it's yeah. I mean, you look at the like the last one year, oh. eighteen months of just AI. No one was talking about. I mean, people in the industry obviously talking about it, very much aware. But with ChatGPT doing what it's done in the press, and there there were already paid applications out there. You know, your Jaspers and stuff like that for creating content or whatever. But anything it seems like attached to Elon's name gets a 10x explosion in terms of coverage and then you're having these conversations with your parents now when before they had no idea what ai was <laughs> it's all good stuff yeah it's a, the buzz is just immense and it only benefits us right because we've been we've been talking about ml and, and ai and our product and how we learn with every pick we've we've been talking about that for years um but of course there are major challenges facing the industry as well right you know whether it's for us we build a an industrial robot. So regulatory in terms of safety is always uh, a challenge. There's technical limitations. I mentioned before how challenging it is to, to pick something up and put it down. And, you know, generally speaking, all those areas of robotics that I mentioned, there's few of those spaces where the, ro the robots are performing at the same level or better than humans. And so that will continue to be a challenge. Uh, there's an ethical challenge. Uh, if you've heard the godfather of, of AI, Jeffrey Hinton out there talking, uh, he's going on this, uh, this tour, uh, explaining his concern that what will we do when AI powered robots are more intelligent than humans? He's not doomsday uh, type of guy, but he's just saying we need to be approaching that head on because that will happen at some point. Um, so lots and lots of challenges uh, as well as tons of opportunity. Especially how the the programs and the ability and the knowledge is like compounding on a monthly basis, it seems like. We're not even talking years anymore, decades. It's just like the compute power, the knowledge, these self-learning or reinforcement learning, deep learning, everything like that is just making the field excel so quickly, right? So I, I think the conversations that they're having now are probably too late. <laughs> okay. well, not too late, out but of the behind bank. the curve. <laughs> yeah. It's like, probably should have had this ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just exploded in the last year. Um, what do you think? I mean, obviously not uh, relevant or oh, I don't want to say not relevant, but not like for like with what you guys are building. But in terms of humanoids, because that's something that's pretty hot right now. And this is just for more of a, a personal perspective of you, because I'm very interested in it. I'm very curious to see how these applications are going to go. Obviously, there's some out there doing like, pick and place 
uh, humanoid robots as well, but again, very limited to what they can do. Um, what are your thoughts on that and that in conjunction with AI? You know, I'm a, I'm a practical guy. So, you know, I'm always thinking about if it's going to be humanoid, does it, is that the best, um, the best format, if you will, uh, to do the task at hand? Uh, right. for, for, so for a warehouse, you know, I just guess my own personal opinion. I don't yet see the value in creating the complexity of a humanoid to do a job that, you know, a non-humanoid robot could probably do better. You know, what, where's the benefit there? Uh, but that's just my, my personal take on it. There are, there are probably many applications. You talk about, I talked about the, the digital wait staff. I could imagine that people would, uh, prefer that human-like interaction and having a robot that presented itself in a human form just gives people a little bit more ease, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah. So there might be some think, use case there. Yeah, I think that's one of those things where if and when the cost comes down enough, then maybe. But you go to a, uh, some of these uh, fast food or fast casual restaurants now and they just have like a tab tablet on the table to yeah. make your order. You don't even have to speak to anyone, yeah. which is crazy. So uh, anything that simulates a, a human is nice. When I, was I, in, I think it was at CES and they had like the robot um, cleaning um, and robot um, table cleaning that you could put your tray on there or your food on there, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, okay. Well, well, that's really interesting in terms of the, the applications that you mentioned there and in terms of, you know, humanoids. I definitely agree with the format side of things because sometimes it feels like complexity for complexity reasons and just to show off. But uh, at the end of the day, what we've found in the industry of late, in tech in general, is route to, to actual revenue and route to uh, profitability and logistics obviously agriculture, food tech, they all have direct um, impact that they can have with the staff shortages. They have bottom line impact that they can have. Um, how does revenue, I don't know if that's something that you can talk about, but business model, because we've obviously seen a lot of like the RAS model now, and then people like actually buying and implementing the robots and stuff like that, which is a big uptake on a cost level, how does it work for you guys? Yeah, uh, so we're, um, you know, we're, we're flexible and there is, you know, each business, each customer might be more CapEx sensitive or more OpEx sensitive. So we can work with those customers, you know, depending on what, what they need. Um, one of the challenges you just highlighted, and we didn't talk about it earlier, but, um, you know, is that oftentimes with automation, there is an upfront cost associated. Uh, but we like to think that we can work with our customers and figure out what's right for them. I think that flexibility is really going to be key here for, for the winners and the, the longevity as well in the industry. And then in some of these industries, you know, it's, it's re-teaching people a way of how to do it. You know, we've dealt with the struggles of, um, high turnover, as you mentioned, or lack of um, uh, skilled enough people or people coming back to work even after COVID, which has been a real struggle in a lot of like hospitality or warehouse and stuff like that. So the flexibility of cost and then just showing the value is going to be really be there for the, for the winners. Um, let's talk a little bit for a moment. I know we've already touched on it, but the future of robotics from your perspective for you guys specifically, and then just in general, how do you see this uh, shaping out in the next kind of two to five years? Well, the vision, right. Is to uh, uh, 
make sure that uh, every time you get an item <laughs> or a, a package on your, your front doorstop that you know, right-hand ro robot has, has picked that thing up, put it down. Um, so that's where, where we're headed. You know, our technology evolves uh, literally every few weeks. We're sprinting every three weeks and new value and new features and capabilities coming out. So it, it's pretty immensely cool to watch even in the two and a half years that I've been at right hand, the range of items that we can pick and how reliably we can pick them. So that's only going to increase over time. And, you know, I'm totally confident in the, the technology and the capability of our team, you know, to really expand and to really, you know, end up being in virtually every warehouse on the planet. Um, so that's a super exciting you know, opportunity. Only about 5% of warehouses in the entire world have sophisticated automation like this. And so it's just this huge, huge, huge opportunity. Um, wow, I didn't realize it was that small of a percentage. Yeah, I mean, typically, you know, warehouses have been around decades and decades. Their idea of, of, of automation in the past has been more rudimentary automation, uh, like conveyors and, and things of, mm -hmm. of that nature. But this is really into an entirely new new world um, with with the sophisticated automation like piece pickers and AMRs and things like that. Um, cool. So very very cool cool future. And yeah. circling all the way back to to where our conversation started, you know, one thing I, I would love to to leave your listeners with is there's this common misnomer that you know an engineer needs to have experience in robotics to enter this field, and you know it really isn't true. Uh, if you happen to be in school, you know master's degree or, or PhD in robotics, physics, mechanics, you know, whatever. And that's great. That's awesome. You, you will have a home in this industry. Um, but and, and here at Right Hand, like I mentioned, we have lots of talented roboticists, but many, I would even say most of our engineers came from other fields. You know, we're looking for electrical engineers and mechanical engineers and Python developers and folks who have experience with ML and AI and computer vision and cloud technologies. And you don't have to have lived and breathed robotics or supply chain your whole life uh, to have those skills. Um, we're looking for highly motivated, intelligent, quick learners with a positive attitude, quite frankly. I think that's a great point to, uh, to end on. Thank you for that. Yeah. The, the transferable skills and, and experience that you can gain in one industry or, or one education area and apply here. If your interest is there, your passion's there, it, it could be a huge, benefit to companies but also a huge thing for your career as well so thanks for that josh well look this this was really amazing i love finding out more about how you guys differentiate yourself how you put things together in terms of technology and uh, being a leader in the space it's really a pleasure and uh, i appreciate having you on the show um where can guests and listeners find out more about right hand robotics and yourself righthandrobotics.com check up check us out <laughs> and uh, if you're interested in me personally you know i have my adoring fans uh you can hit me <laughs> up on linkedin <laughs> amazing all right thanks josh i really appreciate it yeah thank you so much greg this is a ton of fun uh, as always